0: You're listening to The Preaching Podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Uh, What memories we are making and what a precious time this is. We'll look back uh, years to come and we'll say, remember that in 2020, When we had the drive-in services and remember how God blessed us and how God uh, provided for us and God got us through. And I'm so thankful that we can have this time uh, together and I'm thankful for what the Lord is doing. John 14 is a, a very powerful passage of scripture. But I want to lay a little bit of groundwork and I want to remind you of the setting. In John 13, right before this passage, Jesus has identified Judas as the one who would betray him. This is the Last Supper. This is right before Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and this is before uh, Jesus goes to uh, uh, Pilate's Hall, and before Jesus goes to the cross. And this was a very difficult time. This was a very tumultuous time. This passage, John 14, is something that the disciples were getting very anxious about. They were getting very nervous about this. They were very, uh, very burdened, very, very troubled about all that was going on and all that Jesus was telling them. We see in John 14, verse number one, here's what Jesus says to his disciples about how they were feeling at the time. He says in verse one, John 14, let not your heart, Be troubled. That's a powerful statement right there. And you're gonna hear me make that statement many times in this message because I want you to take that truth home with you today. If you're already at home, I want you to live with this truth today and tomorrow and the next day and this week and next week and this month and next month. Let not your heart be troubled. This is not a motivational speech. This is not a a speech on how to be a better you. This is the word of Jesus Christ to his disciples. It's the message that I bring you today where Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, Jesus said, I will come again. Hallelujah for that. And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. And how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. This is a passage of Scripture that already in 2020, I've used this passage several times at funerals. As a matter of fact, I used it at a funeral, and it was around the time of the coronavirus uh, uh, really uh, uh, just kind of ramping up, and us hearing so much about it. And I remember after that funeral service, I remember just thinking about this passage. Not for a funeral, not for a tragedy, but I began to just think about it for my life and for my family and for our church family. And God has used this passage so much over these last few months to help me, and I hope it will be a blessing to you. I'd like to speak this morning very simply on that first verse, let not Your heart be troubled. God, I pray you'd speak to us. I pray that you'd help us not to miss these truths. Help me as I share my heart and help me as I share with these dear folks what you have helped me with and how you've encouraged me. And Lord, how the Word of God has been such a a challenge and an encouragement in my own life. I pray that you'd help us to heed and help us to listen and help us to obey and help us to follow and put into practice the Word of God in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to, number one, draw your attention to that word, trouble. That word, troubled that represents your feelings. That represents our emotions. And can I tell you today that emotions are very real. Feelings are very real. Just because your emotions might be different than someone else's, that doesn't mean that that person is not dealing with very strong, very deep emotions. Emotions. Feelings are very real. The word troubled in the Bible, it means to be agitated. It means to have an inward commotion. You maybe can have a smile on the outside and you can maybe have the right words to say, but on the inside, there's commotion. On the inside, there's trouble. The word troubled means to take away the calmness of the mind. It means to be restless. This word is used in Matthew 24, as Jesus described what it would be like during the end times, during the tribulation. And I want to remind you, and you'll see all kinds of stuff online, and you'll hear all kinds of things from uh, preachers, but we're not in the tribulation. Uh, We are not in the tribulation. You say, how do you know we're not in the tribulation? I know because I'm still here. The Bible says that Jesus is coming back to take us to heaven before the tribulation begins. I'm not saying we don't live in difficult times. We do. I'm not saying that things aren't hard. They are. But I'm saying this. We're not in the tribulation yet because the next event that will take place on God's prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church. And so... When Jesus told his disciples, he said in Matthew 24, all these things will happen. You'll hear of wars and rumors of war and earthquakes and pestilence. And you'll hear of all these troubles. But he said, be not ye troubled in your heart. That's interesting. Because the Bible does not say that we will not have trouble. Quite the opposite. The Bible tells us that we will have trouble. We will have burdens. We will have hardships. We will have difficulty. However, Jesus commands us to not allow our hearts to be troubled. You see, there may be troubles in your life, but God commands us not to let our heart become troubled. That word let in verse number one, it indicates that something is within your control it is within your power. The word let means to permit or to allow. I'll give you a, for instance. There may be trouble in our city. There may be trouble in our county. There may be trouble in your neighborhood. But that does not mean you have to let that trouble into your home. You control who comes in and out of your home. You control what comes in and out of your home. And the same thing is true about your heart. The same thing is true about your life. You and I have control on what we allow to come into our heart. The heart is the seat of the emotions. The heart is the control center of your body. It is your mind. It is your being. Uh, Many times when I say, the heart, I, sometimes I refer to uh, the heart that pumps the blood. But when the Bible is referring to our heart, it is our mind, it is our soul, it is our being, it is how we think, it is how we operate. The book of Proverbs reminds us that we are to keep, we are to guard our hearts with all diligence. When it comes to guarding your heart, you ought to be more concerned with guarding you, your heart than you are with guarding your home. And by the way, I think you ought to be concerned with guarding your home. I think you ought to be concerned with guarding your physical safety. But can I tell you, even more so, we ought to guard our hearts with all diligence. Now John 14:1, it says, let not your heart be troubled. Don't allow your heart to be agitated. Don't allow your heart to be worried. Don't allow that to happen. I want to remind you today that God never gives us a command that he does not give us the ability or the power to obey. God doesn't give impossible tasks. Now, your boss at work may give impossible tasks. Uh, Children, your parents at home, you might sometimes think they're giving you an impossible task. Like Clean your room in the next five minutes. Well, it took you three days to destroy it, so you're probably not going to get it clean in five minutes. We've got a witness over here. But God never gives you something to do, a command that it is not possible to obey. Let not your heart be troubled. You say, well, how do we guard our heart? How do we control it? Because it seems like we're bombarded with so many things. Now, I'm just going to give you just a few what I would consider practical tips And there are many other things you could do. But during times like this, you know one of the best things you can do to guard your heart? One of the best things you can do is to turn off the television, to turn off the computer. I'm not saying you should not be informed. I think you should be informed. But here's what I'm saying. If you allow the news and if I allow the news to control my feelings, I will be depressed and so will you. It's sad to say, but the news doesn't always report the news. I'll give you for instance, and I'm going to save you if you if you like saving time, I'm going to save you about two and a half hours later today that you'd be looking at all this stuff. The latest reports From North Carolina, right now, as of, I guess it would have been as of yesterday afternoon, we had 8,623 cases of the coronavirus in North Carolina. And I'm I'm sad that we have one. I wish we didn't have any. But there's 8,623. As of yesterday, we had in North Carolina 289 deaths from the coronavirus. Northampton County has had three of those deaths. Halifax County has had one. Did you know in North Carolina right now, as of of yesterday, I should say, one out of every 34,000 people in the state of North Carolina, one out of every 34,000 people in the state of North Carolina have died from this virus. Now, again, that's awful. That's tragic. I'm not saying it's not bad. It is. It's very bad. But the news Doesn't tell you how few people are dying from it. The news tells you how many people are dying from it. The news doesn't tell you how many people have recovered from it. The news doesn't say that it was estimated that there would be millions of deaths from the virus. And as of yesterday in the United States, there were 54,000 deaths. Almost a third of those have been in New York. Can I tell you, that's actually good news. That it's not as bad as what they said it could be. And I'm thankful. I think that's an answer to prayer. I think we ought to thank God. I think we ought to focus on the blessings. I think we ought to focus on the people that have recovered. I think we ought to be thankful that many people have it and they don't even know it because they don't have the symptoms. And again, I'm not trying to say that that's not a problem. But here's what I'm saying. If you spend three hours every day watching the news, you don't come away with anything encouraging. But one of the best things that we can do to guard our heart is to turn off the television. You say, but if I turn off the television, I'm just going to sit and worry. I'm just going to sit and stress, and I'm going to be worried about what I don't know. Well, that's why you turn off the television, but you open up the Bible. That's why you turn off the television, but you get on your knees and you pray. And that's why you make a list of the blessings and you make a list of all the good things that God has done in your life. And focus on the blessings and rather than focusing on the problems, stay busy doing good things. Stay busy praying. Stay busy spending time with family. Stay busy making phone calls and sending texts and sending emails and sending messages and notes of encouragement to let people know that you're praying for them rather than being negative. I'm just telling you our feelings are real. But Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Don't be agitated. Don't Be troubled. Number one, I see our feelings. Number two, I want you to notice the foundation. The foundation in verse number one, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. He says, ye believe in God. Believe also in me. Can I say number one, our feelings, but number two, I see our foundation. You know what is our foundation so that we don't have to be troubled? Our foundation is that we believe in God. We know that God is real. We know that God is in control. We know that God created us. And if God could create us, if God could speak the worlds into existence in six literal days, God can take care of you and God can take care of me with what we're going through today. God is the creator. He is the Jehovah God. He is the all-sufficient one. He is the self-existent one. Jesus Christ is the son of God. Jesus is equal with God. Jesus uh, performed miracles. Jesus fed the 5,000. Jesus healed the sick. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And Jesus told his disciples, hey, if you believe in God and you believe also in me, you will not let your heart be troubled. You won't be agitated. You won't be frustrated. You will have peace because your life is built upon the foundation. Our life is built upon the foundation that we believe in God. If you'll notice in John 15, not only do we believe in God, not only do we believe in Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, but verse number 16 of John 14. The Bible tells us that we have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit which shall abide with you forever. Verse number 16. We see in verse number 27, we have the peace of God. Jesus said, my peace. Not not your peace, not the world's peace. But Jesus said, I'm giving you my peace. And you and I have a foundation of peace because of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Notice in verse number 27. After Jesus talks about that peace, he says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. How can we not be troubled? How can we not be agitated? I'll tell you how. Because of the peace of God. John 14, 27. Notice chapter 15, verse 7. We have not only the Holy Spirit of God, but we have the Word of God. Verse 7, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. You have the Bible. I have the word of God. We have prayer. We have the ability to go to God in prayer. Notice verse 11, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Jesus said, here's your foundation You believe in God. You believe also in me. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the peace of God. You have the Bible. You have prayer. You've got joy. Verse number 11. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain, that it might stay in you, and that your joy might be full. Our joy as Christians ought to be overflowing. Jesus was not talking to his disciples on the mountainside after feeding 5,000 people. He was talking to his disciples at the Last Supper, knowing that he was going to the cross and knowing what his disciples would go through. But he said, your joy can still be full no matter what your circumstances are. Verse number 13, our foundation is the love of God. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You say, how do we know that everything's going to be okay? How do we know that we, we don't need to be troubled because God loves you? Jesus loves you so much he gave his life for you. Let not your heart be troubled. Jesus loves you, and he loves me. Number one, I see our feelings. Number two, I see our foundation. But number three, I see the Father's house. Oh, you want to talk about rejoicing. You want to talk about saying glory to God. You see, we're looking at the problems down here, but the problems down here are temporary. The problems down here are just for a moment. 2 Corinthians 4, the Bible says, our light affliction. It's so small. It's so insignificant compared to eternity. And I'm glad that we have the Father's house to look forward to. I'm glad that heaven is a real place. I'm glad that heaven is not imaginary. Heaven is not a myth. Jesus said in John 14, if it were not so. He said if if, if heaven was not real, if heaven did not exist, Jesus said, I would have told you so. But I'm glad that heaven is real. Jesus could speak with authority because he had been there. Jesus could speak with authority because it was his father's house and he had rightful ownership. And you and I as God's children, we have an inheritance in Christ. We have a home in heaven. We have a heavenly home. Our citizenship is not on this earth. Our citizenship is in heaven. Jesus said, I'm going back to heaven for a purpose, and that purpose is to prepare a place for you. I want to say to Victory Baptist Church this morning uh, in the parking lot of uh, 2360 Bowling Road, I want to say to folks that are listening at home and folks that are uh, watching and folks that are listening on the radio, I've got good news for you. Let not your heart be troubled. This world is not your home. We're not staying here forever. We're not going to have to endure this very long because our home is in heaven. I'll say this. If you've ever been on a trip and you're on a trip and you did not make proper arrangements for your trip and you've got to stop at a motel, and boy, now you don't have to do this as much because you can do so much online, But I remember back in the days where you were calling ahead, do you have a room? And it's, you know, the middle of the summer and it's a Friday night or whatever and Saturday night and everything's booked up and they're like, no, we don't have any rooms. And you call the next place, no, we don't have any rooms. Then you start stopping at hotels, no, sorry, we're all full, we don't have any rooms. And finally you find a place and you think this is not going to be good. You just, you know from the lobby, you know from the parking lot, the room is not going to be good. But you need somewhere to sleep, and you think, well, it's better than sleeping in my car, and uh, sometimes it's not better than sleeping in your car. You've probably been better in your car. But but you go into that motel room, and you think, this place is trash. This place smells. This place is dirty. And you're thinking, oh, but it's so late, and what are we going to do? And you might stay somewhere for a night, and you might put up with some stuff for a night, but can I tell you, it's only Temporary. Because you know that's not your destination. That's not your home. That's not where you're going to end up. And I will say, child of God, we may go through some difficulties, but it's only temporary. It's only for a moment. It's not going to last forever because our home is in heaven, the Father's house. I'm so thankful for heaven. I'm so thankful that the problems we face down here are only temporary. Number four, I want you to notice the future. You say, well, Pastor, isn't the Father's house the future? Well, yes, it is. But how are we going to get to heaven? How do we go from this life to our heavenly home? Well, the Bible tells us there's two ways. Number one, and I'm hoping for this way, number one is the rapture. When the trump of God will sound and the dead in Christ will rise first and we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That is our future. Our future is that Jesus is coming back Our future is the second coming. Our future is that we may not grow old. We may not get sick. We may not say goodbye by way of death. We may say goodbye by way of the rapture. Jesus said in John 14, I will come again. And when Jesus says he's coming back, you can count on it. He's coming back. I want to ask you this morning, are you prepared for your future? Are you prepared for Jesus to come back? When Jesus comes back, it'll be too late then to try to make arrangements. It'll be too late then to try to get saved. Because when Jesus comes back, will you, will I be ready? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Do you know that Jesus Christ is the Savior of your life? Are you prepared for His coming? Are you prepared for death? James 4.14, the Bible says, whereas, what is your life? It is even as a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Hebrews nine twenty seven. So it is appointed unto men once to die and after this the judgment. That sounds scary and that sounds uh, very sobering to think that we're going to die and we're going to stand before the judgment of God. But the very next verse, Hebrews nine twenty eight, it reminds us that Christ was once offered for sins. That we could be saved, that we could have eternal life and your future and my future can be settled and our future can be secure because of the price that Jesus paid on the cross. That leads me to number five. Lastly, our faith. Go back with me if you would to John 14 verse 6. Here's our assurance. Here's how we can know. Here's how we can have uh, the the, the promise that heaven is our home. John 14 6, Jesus said, I am. Am the way The truth and the life No man cometh unto the Father but by me Jesus did not say he was a way He did not say he was an option he didn't say that he was working on it. He didn't say he was going to try to get it all figured out and get it all sorted out so maybe you and I could go to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way. He's the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. And in case that does not make enough sense to you, in case that's not clear enough, Jesus goes on to say, no man, nobody can get to the Father except by me. Jesus is the only way. He is The one whereby you and I can get to heaven, whereby we can have eternal life. I want to ask you this morning, have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? Have you trusted Him for salvation? Have you trusted Him with your soul? Your heart will be troubled. And your heart should be troubled if you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. But I want to say this, if you have trusted Christ as Savior... You have confidence, you have assurance, and you can know that you have eternal life. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.